0: Welcome back to uh, Parkside Green's Midweek Bible Study. I'm Pastor Steve. I hope you got off to a great start with your small group this past week. I just, I really appreciate uh, your small group leaders who just do such a fantastic job of leading you through the discussions uh, and the prayer, whether online or in person. Make sure you thank them as well. Well, you will remember uh, last week that as we studied the first two verses, we saw that Paul identified himself and Timothy as servants of Jesus, who were writing to all the Philippian saints in Jesus and wishing them grace and peace from Jesus. And in ancient letters, it would have been customary at this point, following the salutation or greeting, the first two verses that we studied last week, to follow that with a health wish, uh, uh, sort of like our line, maybe we email or write, you know, I hope, hope this note or this letter finds you doing well. A- and, and right at this point, where Paul would have been expected by convention to wish the Philippians good health, instead he does something distinctly Christian by offering thanks to God, right? Listen into to verses 3 to 7, our study for this week, as I read them. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus it is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. In our study, we will explore these five verses under five headings, one per verse, and they're found in your notes outline if you're using that. Thankful remembrance. Joyful prayer, gospel partnership, sure completion, and grace sharing. So we start with thankful remembrance in verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, Paul says. And, And you notice that in this verse, Paul is not thanking the Philippians. right? He is thanking his God. Paul directs his thanksgiving and his prayer to God. And you'll recall the setting, right? Paul's imprisoned. He mentions his chains several times in this epistle. He's he's probably in Rome, some 1,200 or so miles away by road and by ship from Philippi. But despite that, whenever Paul remembers the Christians at Philippi, Paul gives thanks to his God. Every time Paul thinks about Lydia and the jailer and all the rest of the church at Philippi, he thanks God for them. Uh, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase and the message, I think, captures it well here. Every time you cross my mind, I break out in exclamations of thanks to God. How cool is that, right? Just just thinking of them, of the Philippians, triggers Paul to thank God. I've got a couple of high school friends that are a little bit like that with me. right? When I think about Andy and Matt and Rick, I thank God for his work of grace in their lives and through them. And when Paul remembers the Philippians, he not only thanks God for them, but he also prays for them as well in prayers marked by joy. (laughs) So we move from thankful remembrance in verse 3 now to joyful prayer in verse 4. And again, we keep in mind that Paul is imprisoned as he writes this, yet, even so, Paul's joyful when he remembers the Philippians in prayer. Why? Because God is at work in their midst for the advancement of the gospel. And in this way, Paul doesn't just call on the Philippians to rejoice, he's going to do that a few times later in the letter, but he models what it means to pray with joy, right? Paul practices what he preaches joy in the midst of adversity. Always and Every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayers with joy. Paul doesn't say how often exactly he prays for the Philippians, but he does say that in every prayer of his, for them all, not just for the overseers and deacons, but for all of them, he makes his prayer with joy. And you contrast that with what Paul needs to say to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13:7. We pray to God that you may not do wrong. (laughs) That's an appropriate prayer for the Corinthians, right? Or think of the way he describes the Galatians, right? Uh, In Galatians 4.19, he calls them, my little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I mean, that's not the tone that he has to take with the Philippians, right? With the Philippians, whenever he prays for all of them, Paul always prays with joy. Every time Paul prays for them, his prayers are joyful prayers. Uh, again, Peterson's paraphrase is helpful. I find myself praying for you Philippians with a glad heart. Right? It's thankful remembrance. Thankful remembrance. Uh, even while in chains, Paul does what he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18. Rejoice continually. Pray unceasingly and give thanks in all circumstances. I mean, Paul's a great example here of repeatedly giving thanks to God and praying for others with joy. Joyful prayer. Now, how about us, right? When, when when other Christians come to our minds, maybe even those we don't get to see in person too often, do we thank God for them? Do we Do we pray about them? With joy? And it's not that all our prayers have to be joyful. Certainly not, right? Hebrews 5, 7 says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. So some prayers, as Jesus, we learn here, should be tearful, right? But others should be joyful. So I ask myself and I ask you, Do we pray, at least sometimes, with joy? Is our prayer joyful? That brings us to our third section on gospel partnership. It's found in verse 5, which explains the reason for all this thanksgiving and joyful prayer for all the Philippians. Why? It's because of their partnership or fellowship or participation in the gospel. From the first day of their conversion until this time of the letter, the Philippians had been partners with Paul in the gospel. They were partners by their own witness while he was witnessing, so were they, and they were partners by their generous financial support of Paul's gospel ministry. And we'll see this later in the letter. So the reason, then, that Paul thanks God for them and prays for them all with joy is because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, right? Uh, Even if they were more than a thousand miles away from each other, and, and they only saw each other once every six years or so, Paul and the Philippians had a gospel partnership. Just like we do at Parkside Green, right? We have a gospel partnership with the Zellers in Dubai. We don't see them a lot. They're far away, but we're partners in the gospel. And with the rights in Kenya and soon moving to Uganda gospel partners. And many of you have probably learned that the word translated here as partnership or fellowship uh, is the Greek term koinonia. And when we think of fellowship, as this often is translated, we we think, at least I do, I think of sharing food and conversation, right? And that's great. That is a part of fellowship. Love good food and, and good conversation. But that's not what Paul had with these Philippians, at least not Now, while he's in prison, (laughs) thousands of miles away, you see, in the New Testament, fellowship or partnership typically involves participation, participation in some kind of Christian ministry. And, of course, we know Paul was passionate about the good news of Jesus, and he appreciated the Philippian church's long-term partnership perhaps over a dozen years from the beginning to the time of this letter, in helping to advance the gospel. And while thankful, certainly, for their gospel partnership, Paul ultimately gives God the glory, you'll notice, right? Just like earlier he thanked God for the Philippians, here he's going to give God the glory, even for their work of the gospel in their lives. And we see that in verse 6, which shifts the focus from the Philippians' good work of participating in the gospel, fantastic, shift to focus on God's good work in the Philippians, right? Paul is confident, even sure, we could say, that God who began a good work of grace in the Philippian believers, he will perfect it, he will bring it to sure completion, sure completion at the day of Jesus Christ's return, when the process of their salvation will be finished. Paul is persuaded of this very thing, that God began a good work in them, transforming their lives as followers of Christ, and God will faithfully continue the good work of their salvation right until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul is sure about the future of the Philippian church. Why? Because he's sure about God's work in the church. God started it in them. Right? You remember how God opened Lydia's heart to to believe and pay attention to Paul's message in Acts 16? And God will carry it on until the day of Christ's return. Paul is not so much confident, then you notice, in the Philippians, as he is confident in God. (laughs) The God of the Philippians, who had begun a good work in them and would finish it. And that's good news, not just for the Philippians 2,000 years ago, but for us too right here today right god's work of salvation in his people cannot cannot be thwarted theologians describe this as the perseverance of the saints uh, and the idea is that what god starts he finishes what god begins he completes surely peter says this same thing at the start of his first letter that that God causes his people to be born again, Peter says, and then he says that we, by God's power, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. God, Peter says, causes the new birth in us, and then you notice that God's power guards us through faith for the finality of salvation. So, Just like the Philippian jailer, yes, we are called to do something, to believe in Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. But God is the cause and power behind our faith. Right? He's the one who opens our hearts to believe, as with the Philippian Lydia. What God begins, he completes. So all who believe in Jesus can rest in God. God, who began a good work in us and will, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Lastly, in verse 7, Paul says that it's right for him to, to feel and think so positively about all of them because even while he's physically separated from them, Paul holds the Philippian Christians in a special place in his heart. And a key reason that the Philippians are so dear to Paul is that whether he's in prison, as he is now, or defending and confirming the gospel, right through thick and through thin, the Philippians share or partake of grace with Paul. You you see, the Philippians are not ashamed of Paul's imprisonment, which would have been a natural reaction in the ancient world, just as it is for many in our modern world. Rather, they're supporting Paul financially during his imprisonment see that in chapter 4, verse 15. And also the Philippians themselves are struggling with that same opposition that Paul is facing. We see that in chapter 1, verse 30. So they're partners, and as partners or joint partakers of the grace of God, there's this special closeness between the Philippians and Paul. Uh, that There has been grace sharing between them through all the ups and downs over the years. And Paul is confident that the Philippian church was filled with true children of God. Why? Because of the observable facts, right? They stood in solidarity with Paul during his imprisonment for the sake of Christ and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. Paul's sure the Philippians will be saved at the day of Jesus' return because of the visible evidence of salvation that he could see in them, the good reports he got about them. So the fact that the Philippians continued in their faith, even in the face of opposition, and that they spoke up for their faith when they were challenged, those support Paul's certainty, his sureness that they were all partakers, with Paul, of God's grace. God's grace showed itself in the fruit of their lives. From the first day Right up until then, right, Paul could see clear evidence of God's saving work in their lives. Putting it all together, then, what, what, what do we have in this passage from God's Word this week? Thankful remembrance, verse 3, and joyful prayer, verse 4, flow naturally out of a gospel partnership, verse 5, right? when we remember our partners in the gospel, we're going to thank God for those brothers and sisters, and we're going to pray for them with joy. Also, we can be sure, verse 6, sure that God who began a good work in his children, he will, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It's natural and right, verse 7, For us to have a special place in our hearts, right? For those brothers and sisters who support us through through good times and bad, fellow partakers with us of God's abundant grace. Just as Paul took the time to write to these friends who were with him for the long haul, I was thinking, we might maybe take the time to write or text or call some of our friends in the Lord who have been with us for the long haul, right? I I think if we do that, I just, I know that both we and they will be encouraged, just as Paul and the Philippians were. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you and we pray with joy as we remember believers that you've brought into our lives over the years. We thank you for partners in the gospel, those who stir us up to love and good works. And we thank you for the assurance, the blessed assurance, that you who began a good work in us, you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for other Christians that we hold dear in our hearts, fellow partakers of your amazing grace through all the ups and downs of life. Father, we pray that we will find encouragement through our life together in Jesus. Amen.